Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 127 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with Joshua Browder, creator of the Do Not Pay Robot Lawyer, about chatbots and access to justice. We talk about chatbots and access to justice and robot lawyers a lot. As much as we can. Holy shit. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay, so today's podcast is sponsored by Ruby Receptionists, and it's smart, charming receptionists who are perfect for small firms. Visit callruby.com slash lawyerist to get a risk-free trial with Ruby. Today's podcast is sponsored by Clio Legal Practice Management Software. Clio makes running your law firm easier. Try it for free today at clio.com. To be clear, every chance we get, we are going to talk about robots, artificial intelligence, and anything else science fiction-y. Because it's awesome. There's no doubt that it <laughs> that it's awesome. The question is whether or not it is actually relevant yet. No. The amount of hype that the universe, let alone our podcast, gives to chatbots and robot lawyering is so far ahead of where those things actually impact people's lives in 2017. Although, to be fair, as you'll hear... I mean, Do Not Pay has helped, I think, hundreds of thousands of people get rid of parking tickets. It's nuts. It is nuts. Yeah. But I hear what you're saying, and I fully agree that chatbots are early on in hype. Yeah. So uh, Gartner, the market research company, has what they call the hype cycle. And they've got a variety of hype cycle reports that you can find online about different technologies or industries. And they've kind of coined this concept of a hype cycle, which is this graph that over time peaks really quickly at the beginning when there's all sorts of frothy market hype about early adopters and new technology and then crashes when people realize that it doesn't actually live up to all that hype. And then the technology actually matures and adoption from mainstream normal people comes back and then starts to grow and grow and grow. And they call this kind of repeated pattern the hype cycle. And like any good business theory, it has all sorts of really hokey, cliched trademark terms. (laughs) And so they've got the innovation trigger and the peak of inflated expectations and the trough of disillusionment. So we're at the peak of expectations shortly to descend into the trough of disillusionment. I think it's fair to say that robot lawyering right now is at the peak of the frothy front end and that we're going to come down to reality soon. And then this technology will actually mature and start solving people's problems and become a real thing, which will have huge implications for the practice of law. But robot lawyers and chatbots have not yet destroyed law practices. And ideally won't and will instead empower them. The hype cycle another way, I think, is more or less summed up by this a great phrase that somebody else used that I, I can't remember who, but they said technology doesn't get really interesting until it gets boring. You know, like smartphones were really amazing, um, but kind of sucked until they finally got sort of streamlined and figured out. And now everybody has one and we don't even think about it. It's just normal. And it's mind boggling what we can accomplish with them. But we've they're kind of boring now. Yeah. And like in the context specifically of chatbots, like I've tried a couple on Facebook Messenger and they're cute. Yes. Um, and I've even found a couple that were like interesting and useful but they aren't something I install and use every day. Do you um, have an Alexa? 
I do. And I, or an echo, whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah I, echo, I right? do. I've had it for many months and I use it for almost nothing. Uh, <laughs> when I can't get my Sonos app on my phone to work properly, then I will use my Alexa echo to play music for me. And that's it. Yeah. That's literally all I know how to, cause I don't need recipe ideas or trivia games by voice or, I mean, I guess I could get weather reports. I, I, I really can't figure out why people think it's an important technology right now. I can yeah. see where it's going. I use Siri a fair amount, although I've changed it to a British man so that I have a butler instead of a female servant. So there's, so I got that going on. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But, so this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you, though. Like, I think chatbots have a lot of potential as one way that people may interface and get help on legal matters at some point. And Joshua Browder, as you're going to hear, is about to release a whole slew of new bots. And we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm really excited for both what he's doing and where this stuff is going. Uh, The fact that we are talking about chatbots again on this show (laughs) is us leading to the peak of inflated expectations. That's true, we are. But I promise next week we're not talking about chatbots. Oh, yay. Um, But that said, let's hear more about chatbots from Joshua Browder. Hi, my name is Joshua Browder and I'm the founder of Do Not Pay, a chatbot that helps consumers with their legal issue and hopefully replaces exploitative lawyers. Very cool. Joshua, in addition to the chatbot, well, you built that while you were in law school, I think, right? Actually, no, I built it in between high school and university. Um, I started driving at the age of 18 and I got a lot of parking tickets. And so the first product helping people with their parking tickets was actually out of personal necessity. Oh, very cool. Uh, well, give us some more of the background. <laughs> like, were you fighting those parking tickets uh, on your own then? Or were you doing it with lawyers? Or did you just start out building Do Not Pay for Yourself? Or how did that all work? So when I turned 18, which is the driving age in the UK, um, I really was a terrible driver. And I would drive <laughs> to a school every day. And um, the parking tickets would just stack up. And after about the fourth ticket, my parents said to me, you're on your own. You have to pay for your own fines. We're not going to help you out anymore. And so out of necessity, because I couldn't afford to pay them myself, I had to figure out the reasons to get parking tickets dismissed because um, I really couldn't afford to pay them. (laughs) And I trawled through all of these government documents and I did a Freedom of Information Act request in the UK to find the top 12 reasons why parking tickets are dismissed. Hmm. And then I began to think, "Does does any of this apply to me? And I became a sort of local parking guru in my area. That's amazing. So at some point, um, I, I think when I heard you speak at Codex, you said that you started helping out your friends and uh, it sort of went from there. Yes, um, I was shocked, but I was successful with my own tickets. And it wasn't long before all my family and friends were asking for my help. And um, it got to a point where I was copying and pasting so many documents back and forth. I thought instead of helping everyone individually, I should create some sort of app or robot lawyer to help people automatically. So were you a software developer at that point? I mean, had, did you have a, an experience in any experience in programming or were you learning on the job? Yes, um, I, I love software. Um, I've been coding for about 10 years now. And um, it's amazing what you can do um, just on your own. You don't have to rely on anyone else. You can create things that hopefully are used by a lot of people. So you uh, you said that you set out to create this uh, in part to uh, help people so they didn't have to hire lawyers. 
Are, are parking tickets really something that people hire lawyers for? I mean, had you done that or in, is it different in the UK? I'm, I guess I'm just not sure about that. Well, when I started out, it was more helping people fight the crooked local governments. Um, I, I admittedly wasn't the best driver and got a large number of tickets legitimately, but about half my tickets um, were actually unfair. For example, the signs were just so confusing or the parking bays were legally too small. And I began to notice that local governments issue parking tickets not to punish people, but as a source of revenue, like almost replacing taxation. Mm -hmm. So the first product was mainly just helping people get out and fight the local governments. But then I began to realize that lawyers were also making the problem worse by charging hundreds of dollars, copying and pasting documents. And that's when I decided to expand to a dozen areas of the law. Very interesting. And so what are the other areas of law that you've expanded to now? I, I think you had just yeah. done one or two the, the, when I heard you speak in, over the summer. So the, I started by taking on the airlines. If your flight is delayed or canceled, you can get compensation if it's not related to weather. But previously, you'd have to go to a dodgy legal company who would charge you 50% um, commission of what you would get just for copying and pasting um, a generic appeal letter. So I automated that, and it works in a variety of things, helping to fight your bank in the UK, helping to fight your landlord if um, they're holding on to your security deposit or um, they're not repairing your property. It also works in helping the homeless in the UK claim government housing for free. And a few weeks ago, it was really exciting to expand to help refugees claim asylum in the UK, US, and Canada. Wow. And um, in the next few days, um, on July 10th, I'm launching in 300 areas of the law. Basically, everything that doesn't require going to court, hopefully do not pay can help with. Very interesting. Wow. So uh, maybe we should back up and talk about what what do not pay is. It's usually described as a chat bot. Does that feel accurate to you? Yes. Um, so... The way it works is you can talk to it like a real human being, which I think is really important because people often don't know what options to select and are surprisingly inarticulate at describing their problems. Hmm. So it will ask you a few questions about your legal issue. For example, was the parking bay legally too small or um, were you driving at the time? And then find a legally sound defense for your ticket. Once it knows a defense, it then takes down a few details and then, and then uses those details to auto-populate um, a sound appeal letter, which it then sends directly to the local government. So you don't have to do anything other than answer questions on the website. Exactly. And it's completely free and automated. I think um, many legal technology companies in the past often would have a lawyer actually draft the document on the back mm -hmm. end of the website. But this is really exciting because it's instant and it's free because it takes no cost to automate a document. Uh, is this the kind of thing where it's um, you have an expertise and so you are building this? Or is is this the kind of thing where anyone with sufficient knowledge of um, a, a legal set of procedures could probably um, create something similar? I think um, it's really interesting because lawyers often say that programmers need them to help uh, create products. Obviously, lawyers have an understanding of the law and programmers like to create things on their own and not get the help of lawyers. But I think it goes the other way around as well. Any lawyer obviously needs to have a programmer and a, someone who understands uh, pr products and making mm -hmm. like good software to actually make it accessible and usable. So I have a partnership with um, three paralegals and I also am basing my technology off IBM Watson which is really good because it means I don't have a PhD in machine learning, but it means I can create a really powerful conversational interface. So it's, it, Watson is kind of doing the heavy lifting behind the scenes. Exactly. 
And um, that's great because uh, it kind of democratizes technology. I think we're at an age now where you don't need to, like, to have a PhD in artificial intelligence to create really powerful things. So when we were talking with Jason Velas, who also uses Watson to power his uh, firm's chatbot that he's working on, um, I think he said that there's a per transaction cost. So I'm wondering how, uh, where does the money for to, to run Do Not Pay come from? I mean, I, even if Watson doesn't cost, I'm sure you have hosting costs and things like that. Yes. Well, I'm very lucky. Um, I have a, an amazing relationship with IBM and um, they're making Watson free for me. Um, however, um, in terms of hosting, it's surprisingly cheap to host a website to hundreds of thousands or a couple million of people. Um, if you do it right, it can cost below a thousand dollars a month, which is really amazing. I mean, it's a lot of money for me and I've been fortunate to get some investors on board, but in the grand scheme of things, helping millions of people, um, that's a great cost. Well, so I've wondered about that. Like, is, is there a plan to... Um, take what you've built or any aspect of it and spin it off into a business? There really is. And I'm working on that at the moment. I believe like to make it a true commercially sustainable operation, I need to make money. And um, I promised from the beginning that I would never charge users. And I intend to keep that promise. I think it will only work if people can get legal help for free and it's instant. But on the other hand, I wouldn't be against um, finding other ways to make it sustainable in an ethical way. Well, yeah, because it strikes me like... I what the the number of I don't remember the number the hundred tens or hundreds of thousands of people who've used do not pay so far and gotten help through it um, it's it's really impressive um, but the cynical part of me is going well if it's free and it can't last forever right and so part of me part of me would almost feel better about it if you were making more money <laughs> so yeah. it's good to hear that there's something in the works definitely and I think it will work um, basically it's finding someone with no conflict of interest and getting them to sponsor individual bots. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you, um, one of the bots I'm releasing soon is a bot that can get you out of speeding tickets. And I've got the top um, driver education company sponsoring that bot. So obviously there's no conflict of interest because they're not interested in whether you get your, out of your speeding ticket or not. But they get this great branding of being associated with helping motorists. So it'll be do not pay brought to you by driver ed company. Well, there are going to be um, 500 bots. So every kind of company sponsors a different bot or maybe there'll be a company-wide sponsorship but i'm going to do it in a way that they have no access to anything and it's really just the branding wow um okay so three five hundred bots you've talked about there's a lot um how do you go about figuring out like what problems this will work for or do you just assume that you can probably build something for just about everything basically i think the law can be broken down into two categories um obviously going to court is a separate issue and i'm not tackling that at the moment I think the first is document automation. I like, I like that you said at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's my next plan, but right. we'll see. Um, so um, the first is document automation. For example, selecting variables within do a, a document and making sure that uh, you can create something based on some information. And then the second element is eligibility. Who is eligible for, um, for example, maternity leave or paternity leave? And figuring out who is eligible and then getting them to the document and hopefully creating that document in a, in a way that gets the results that the users want. What about, I mean, are you able to work in areas where they haven't turned on e-filing yet, for example? Uh, yes. So, I mean, I, I like to, as long as the user is empowered to take their document and submit it themselves, um, I'm going to be expanding in those areas. 
obviously there are lots of products where you can just call an API or connect to the local government's website and that creates a better product on my end but the user can also print out documents. I, I think I've, there are some services too where you can even just send them a document uh, and an address and they'll put a stamp on it and send it for a small fee. Isn't that right? Yes, and I'm thinking of integrating with them, but ultimately I want to show to my users that I'm not charging you for any aspect of the process. I, I want to make it completely free. So um, even if they have to pay $2 to send it, that's too much for me. Hmm, interesting. So why why a chatbot? Why is that the right way to do this instead of filling out a form on a website? So actually, Do Not Pay also is a web form. And um, that was the initial version of the product um, for parking tickets. Mm. And I learned a few things from that. The first is that even if a, a defense will apply to a user, they're not going to select it. For example, there are a million ways that someone can conceptually think that the parking bay was legally too small. But one, only one legally correct offense mm -hmm. if you cite that it's below 180 centimeters in the UK. And so a chatbot is all about taking a user input and converting that to the legally sound offense. And whereas if it was a form with buttons, I worry that uh, people wouldn't be able to select the right option. So with the chatbot, you can use a more casual like, um, you know, what's your excuse? Is it that the parking bay was too small? And if they say yes, then you say, would, would you guess that the parking bay was too small by this amount or, or so? And you can, you can more casually get drilled down to the actual problem that you can turn into something legally sufficient to enter into the document. Exactly. And also at the beginning of the process, the user can describe any legal issue in his or her own words. So it's not even about yes or no. They can say, I got a parking ticket or my bank overcharged me for, um, an overdraft. And so translating that to a legally correct offense is the big, big challenge. Very cool. Uh, I hate to stop, but I need to stop for just a few minutes so we can hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, I want to talk about best practices for chatbots or, or maybe even what some of the pitfalls or, or negative parts of using a chatbot might be. So we'll be back in just a moment. This podcast is supported by Ruby Receptionists. As a matter of fact, Ruby answers our phones at Lawyerist, and my firm was a paying Ruby customer before that. Here's what I love about Ruby. When I'm in the middle of something, I hate to be interrupted, so when the phone rings, it annoys me, and that often carries over into the conversation I have after I pick up the phone, which is why I'm better off not answering my own phone. Instead, Ruby answers the phone, and if the person on the other end asks for me, a friendly, cheerful receptionist from Ruby calls me and asks if I want them to put the call through. It's a buffer that gives me a minute to let go of my annoyance and be a better human being during the call. If you want to be a better human being on the phone, give Ruby a try. Go to callruby.com slash lawyerist to sign up, and Ruby will waive the $95 setup fee. If you aren't happy with Ruby for any reason, you can get your money back during your first three weeks. I'm pretty sure you'll stick around, but since there is no risk, you might as well try. Imagine what you could do with an extra eight hours per week. You could invest in marketing your firm, you could spend more time helping clients in need, or you could catch your daughter's soccer game. That's how much time legal professionals save with Clio, the world's leading practice management software. With Clio, tracking time, billing, and matter management are fast and easy, giving you more time to focus on what really matters. And Clio is a complete practice management platform with plenty of tools and over 50 integrations to help you automate daily tasks such as document generation and court calendaring. See how the right software can make it easier to manage your practice. Try Clio for free today at clio.com. Okay, and Joshua, 
Um, so one of the reasons I'm talking to you is not just that I had already heard about Do Not Pay, which of course I had, but I saw you speaking on a panel at Codex. You were on a panel with Joshua Lennon from Clio, who I, I thought raised some uh, some really interesting issues that um, you had great answers for, to all of them, I think, but uh, it made me think about sort of best practices. And I'm wondering kind of like, I can see the problems if somebody just goes out and tries to build a chatbot for a particular document in their jurisdiction and forgets to, say, um, make sure that the chatbot will tell people who are from different states that they probably can't use that form. And so I'm kind of wondering, on a similar vein, like what are some of the things that really need to be in any chatbot tool that somebody is going to create to solve legal problems? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we're in the wild west of legal chatbots at the moment. <laughs> Um, so I've, got do, a, I've got an yeah. image now of just a bunch of digital yeah. things duking it out with spurs. <laughs> exactly. And so do not pay. I like to think that do not pay was the first like leader in legal chatbots. No one was really doing it before us. And when we kind of had our success with parking tickets, all of a sudden there were hundreds of chatbots doing all sorts of things. You get a lot of people really excited. <laughs> exactly. And I think the real thing that there's two main things that chatbots should have. The first is escalation procedures. So, for example, if you're helping a chatbot to help small businesses incorporate, you need to make sure that if it's the legal issue is too complicated, there should be a law firm on the back end that you can refer them to. It's not good enough to say, sorry, I can't help you, because that discourages people and ultimately um, achieves the opposite of what you want to achieve. Chatbots should improve access to justice and not um, discourage people from seeking legal help. And then the second thing, which I think you mentioned, is that location um, localization is important. So, for example, when I launch, you won't see any of the San Jose parking laws if you're in Los Angeles. Um, it's about finding where the user is and making sure that only the local laws or the laws that apply to them are displayed, because otherwise it can get really confusing and, again, achieve the opposite of what you want to achieve. And are you doing that by asking or by uh, making a guess based on their IP address? Making a guess based on their IP address. And you can make a, uh, just on the state basis even, can be extremely helpful. Yeah. Huh. I'm not, I, this popped into my head that I use a VPN and that uh, my websites often think I'm from Canada and I'm wondering how that might throw a monkey wrench in there. Yes. Uh, well, you can override the system by talking to it. Uh, oh, obviously, um, VPN, I've looked at the statistics and I think it's worth it to do it based on IP address to improve the user experience, but you can override it. Gotcha. Let's say um, most of our listeners are probably lawyers. Um, and uh, my guess is that the hype about chatbots has now penetrated their psyches so that they're thinking about it anyway, even, even if they hadn't heard of it before now, they probably are. What would you say to a lawyer who's like, man, there, there are problems that I really could address for my clients, um, maybe even problems that, that lawyers ordinarily aren't able to charge much for or that they feel like they could just reduce and they want to do it as a service. Um, what would you say to somebody who's just thinking about it? How should they get started? I think find someone, either learn yourself. There are so many great coding resources online, um, Codecademy, Code.org, or find someone technical who can help you with the product. Because I think the greatest irony is the access to justice websites um, that have previously existed, some of the least accessible websites out there. They're terribly designed and they don't really work that well. So a lawyer should really find someone or get the skills themselves to make something that's useful because something can be to have the best like legal terminology and the best documents. But if no one can use it, then it's not very helpful. 
So just getting that coding right and finding someone technical to help. What, uh, wh- I guess on, on the line of coding, like what is uh, Do Not Pay actually built in? So it's built in Node.js and JavaScript and PHP uh, with connected to IBM Watson. And um, that's been really helpful for me because it's, they're great languages. Are you, do you do it all yourself? I have done it um, myself in the past, but I'm just starting to scale up at the moment. So hopefully I'll be hiring soon. Well, I mean, I'm wondering because like, are, are you 300 bots in 300 different um, areas of law or are those... Um, are some of those overlapping? So I figured out a way to automate the automation by creating a decision tree builder for eligibility and a document automation builder um, for actually creating the documents. And at that point, I then, um, a couple of weeks ago, hired um, three paralegals, two in the US and one in the UK. And um, so in working with them, we're using my tools to expand to 300 different areas of the law. So how, how long from I'm going to do this to 300 new areas? What was the, what was the time frame there? So Do Not Pay is like around two years old. And I finally realized that the only way to make it big is to work for everything. As I said before, the chatbot space for law is a wild west. And you have so many confusing areas that some chatbots work in and others don't. But I think if I can work for everything that you would expect it to work for, then that can create a lot of trust, which is necessary. That's a really good point. I mean, trust is um, how do you how do you get people to trust your website? I mean, you're not you're not endorsed necessarily by anything. It's just sitting out there. Um, how do people know that they're going to get what they want out of it? Well, I think it's two things. The first is I'm not exploiting people, and it's completely free, and so there's not a lot in it for me apart from making sure that it works. And then the second thing is just testimonials everywhere in the press and also word of mouth and social media. And the ultimate success is when someone gets out of their parking ticket or successfully fights their landlord. And at that point, that person just becomes the greatest product advocate that anyone could ever hope for. And they tell all their friends that this free service got me out of my parking ticket. And that's how I grew initially, not by paying for any marketing or anything. I've spent zero on marketing but um, that's how I got um, 300,000 users, just word of mouth and just ensuring that everyone kind of talks about it and loves the product. So um, so of the 300 new, new bots that you've got coming out, what areas of law do those cover? So um, on a higher level, everything that you would expect not going to court for. So that means claiming maternity or paternity leave from your employer, getting out, finding a loophole in your gym contract, parking tickets, speeding tickets, all sorts of transportation related stuff. Um, airlines overbooking. In the UK, there's this issue recently. We had this tragic disaster with an apartment building blowing up. So helping with fire safety. Um, yeah, it's, it's just incredible. So it's, these are, so it's almost, um, it sounds like a lot of this stuff are sort of administrative issues, administrative complaints or dealing with companies. Or um, I, I mean, I know in my city, uh, tenant complaints against landlords, there's not a whole lot that you can do apart from sending letters and kind of hounding people. So um, it sounds like you're covering a lot of that type of stuff. Exactly. And also stuff where you don't have to attend court, but you can file a document to the court to look at remotely. Um, so for example, if um, in the UK or US, a company sells you something and the product just doesn't work, you can, um, the, the consumer protection laws you can complain to them and get a refund. So what's next for you? I, I, are you, 
Um, I apologize for not knowing this, but are you, um, I accused you of being in law school. Are you still in college then, or are you graduated and getting ready to do this as your full-time job, or what's the plan? So I'm working full-time over the summer. I'm, uh, I just finished my sophomore year at Stanford, and okay. so we'll see how it goes over the summer. <laughs> You're not saying you'll go back to Stanford necessarily? Well, I, I don't know either way. Stanford is just the greatest place. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. Very cool. It's it's not atypical for a Stanford uh, student who's had some successes you have to think about just lining up a startup and going off and doing that way. Um, do you feel like Do Not Pay is the kind of foundation that you could actually build a larger services platform on? Definitely. I think that if I can make it commercially sustainable, then I'm onto something really powerful. But that's an important question, and we'll see how it goes. So um, I'm out of questions, but I am just fascinated by what you've done, and I can't wait to see where you go. And um, thanks so much for giving us a larger window into Do Not Pay and where it's headed. Thank you. I'm really excited. Make sure to catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit lawyerist.com slash podcast or legaltalknetwork.com. You can subscribe via iTunes or anywhere podcasts are found. Both Lawyerist and the Legal Talk Network can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play or iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said during this podcast is legal advice.